0: a seat, bow your head in prayer with me. Father, we do just want to honor and glorify your good, your holy, your perfect name this morning. Father, thank you for some extra rest last night. Thank you for beautiful weather today. But Lord, most of all, thank you for who you are. Today, Lord, I pray you would just give us a spirit of faith, give us a sense of vision, for who you're calling us to be, Lord, as a church, and where you're calling us to go. And help us to move forward, Lord, with faith and courage, and to glorify your name in a special way. We ask for help in all of this, in the great name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church, it's good to be with you today. I think we should have an extra hour of sleep every Sunday. I don't know how that would all work out, but I like the idea. Anyone with me? Man, I, I love it. Um, and today we are starting a brand new sermon series that we're, we're calling The Time Is Now. So through the month of November, we're going to be in this series. And this is a series where I really want to talk about what I think God is calling us to do as a church, as West Campus. So I'm going to talk about that, talk about our future, and I hope you have an an open heart to hear it and receive it. And I think it's going to be um, a, a really exciting season for us um, as a church family. And I want to begin, have you ever had something stolen from you? You don't, you know, you don't, you, I don't want to bring back bad memories. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a very unpleasant experience, isn't it, you know? And I've only really had one time where it was like something physical was stolen from me. I mean, a lot of people have stolen my joy, um, you know, <laughs> If you're a Cleveland sports fan, you you've had a lot of joy stolen over the years. Um, but but when something like physically is stolen, it's it's a very unnerving experience. And when Allie and I got married, we we lived in West Park area, west side of Cleveland. We love, love, love that neighborhood and had a great time. But every so often there would be like little crime sprees. Uh, in general, it's very, very safe, and you know, but but sometimes. Things would go wrong, I guess. And this one particular time, like every car on our street got broken into, or, or a lot of them did. And mine was one of them. I, I kind of have this bad habit of always leaving my car unlocked. I know you're judging me right now. That's, yeah, bud, thank you for being like, yes, I am judging you. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I did that. And, and I could tell, when I woke up, I could tell everything had been rifled through. You know, every, every stone had been overturned. And I'll be honest with you, this was a stage in my life where if you looked at my car, you would have thought I lived out of it. It was a stage in my life. I'm past that, all right? Now, <laughs> yeah, you guys know me too well. Um, but, uh, but I could tell they, they rifled through everything. Now, here's the thing, you know, empty monster cans and dirty T-shirts aren't really worth a lot of value. So I could tell they, they left, but they did find the one thing in there that actually had some value. It was an iPod Nano. Anyone know those? Those things were awesome, and I loved this thing, and it was stolen from me. And uh, that's the end of the story, so I don't know. There's, there's no happy ending there. Um, but it was, but I, I bought another one, you know, 50 bucks. I was out, but, but it worked out. But, you know, I think that there, there's actually a far greater thief in the world than people who might go through our cars and break into our cars and things like that. It, it, the, it's the thief of the tomorrow trap. I heard someone say it that way. It's, it's the thief that, that steals from it, but we actually invite it into our lives all the time. And this thief steals a lot more from us and things of a lot more value than iPod Nanos and things like that. And here's what it looks like. Here's what this thief looks like of the tomorrow chap. It's, I'm going to start working out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I, I'm gonna start budgeting tomorrow. I'm gonna. I'm gonna clean out the garage tomorrow. You, is this this sound familiar? Anyone? you uh, Y'all don't want to be honest this morning. That's okay okay we'll get there right I'll I'll go back to school tomorrow I'll figure out this problem tomorrow but but what do we know happens a lot of times tomorrow doesn't come and and that that reality church is is constantly whether we realize it or not it, it's constantly stealing our potential because if you ever look back at season's life and you're like wow if I would have done it then I would be so much better off today right and and you realize the, the, the pain of regret, the pain of, of missing out on opportunity. And the reality is, is that all of us can fall into that so easily, and we can fall into that as a church too. And we can just kind of move forward, but, but never really take the steps that God has for us today. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. We don't know what tomorrow holds. All God gives us is now. All God gives us is the moments that are before us. And so in this series, I want to talk about this idea that time is now. Turn to the person next to you just say, the time is now. Yeah, the time is now. Doesn't it just flow off the tongue nicely, you know? The time is now. And I want to talk about just realizing uh, the opportunities that are before us, both personally and as a church, and moving forward, and I want to share a verse with you today. This is what we're gonna just one simple verse today. How long can the sermon be from one verse? Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> First Chronicles chapter twelve, verse thirty-two. Now, this is a very obscure verse, and I heard someone pointed out to me some time ago, and ever since they did, I was like, man, I love this verse. It's kind of been a theme in my heart and in my life. And just to give you the context, 1 Chronicles, if you've never read it, that's probably likely. It's not the easy and fun read. Um, it's a history of ancient Israel. And it's a story of all the different uh, kings and their dynasties and what went right and what went really bad. And in Chronicles 12, it's about this time where there was A significant transition happening between the first king of Israel, a man named Saul. And he wasn't a good king. In fact, God said, you know what, I regret the day that I made you king, and I'm raising up another. And he raised up a man named David. Now, you might recognize the name David if you've ever heard of David and Goliath, or a lot of the Psalms are written by this David. He was a a very different and prolific and, and awesome king in many ways. And so this is in the middle of a transition point where the nation of Israel, which was made up of 12 tribes, was transitioning from one leader to another. There was sort of this you know, th- this uh, battle of power happening. But David was gaining more and more. And it said of this tribe, Issachar, their tribe, it said of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times. They understood the times to know what Israel ought to do. That's the phrase that that I've been captivated by. They recognized the time. They understood the time. And so then they knew what they should do. They understood what what God was doing. and, And here what they're referring to is that they realized that they had to transfer their loyalty from King Saul's dynasty, his family, to King David. And they recognized that God wanted this to happen. That this was not just, you know, ugly politics, but, but this was the purpose of God. And so they did that. They came under, you know, the, the command of David. They they sort of shifted their loyalty to him, but but this idea of they understood the times and they knew what they ought to do. Now, here's what's powerful about this idea to me today: is that have you noticed in life, not all moments of our life, moments of time, are equal. What I mean by that is that there are de- decisive moments in our lives that we can take hold of or they'll pass us by. You with me on this? We, we, and we, there's windows. And now God is gracious and we miss windows and he still blesses us. And I'm thankful for that. But we also have to recognize that there are decisive times in our life. There, there are windows of opportunity that we can't always get back when we miss them. Does that make sense? I love, you know, I love Winston Churchill. If you've heard me preach a lot of sermons, I quote him a lot. But, uh, but I love Winston Churchill. And in the summer of 1940, uh, the, the French army was like, you've got to send us all the British Air Force, Every one of them, you got to send over to France. We're getting overrun by Germany, and and you're next. And there was a lot of pressure on Winston Churchill to do that. But he said, this is not the decisive moment. This is not the decisive moment. The decisive moment will be when they're all attacking Great Britain, and I'm going to need every fighter that I have for that moment. And he withheld. And history shows that seems like he was right and and he figured out he recognized that not all moments in life are equal right and we all know the pain of recognizing this on the back end you know right have you ever had a season of life where you're like man i I wish i would have worked less and focused on my family more like i I wish i would have recognized that moment i I wish i would have made this change earlier it would have saved me so much pain right We we know experientially not all moments are created equally. And understanding the moment that we're in, the time that we're in, it gives us the clarity to move forward. All of our life is made up of different seasons. And and the Bible talks about this all the time. They use that as a metaphor, right? There are seasons of rest where we need to stop doing so much, And we need to start being and just refilling and connecting with God. And honestly, for a lot of us, that's a really hard season to be in because we're like, how do I do this? I'm not used to it. There's seasons of preparation. There's seasons where you're you're doing all the work, but you're not getting the reward. But that's okay. It's a season of sowing. You're planting seed. You're getting the soil right. Then there's seasons of harvest. Harvest. Season, I love those seasons, right? It's like everything is working out. This is awesome. Um, and things are coming together, and God's blessing and his presence feel, feel evident. But then there's also seasons of the desert where God takes us to places we don't want to be. And we're like, I hate this place. I hate this season. And God's like, I get it. But I can only grow certain things in your soul in the desert. And you need to stay here and walk with me here. You with me on this, church? And so when when we understand the seasons of our life, it helps us to know what to do. Right? In In a planting season, you need endurance. In a desert season, you need patience and trust. In a harvest season, you need faith and energy. In action, right? every season, it, it demands different things. So the scriptures say here that they, they recognized what this season was. They understood the times, and they knew what to do. And so as I've been thinking about this, this idea, I've just asked myself, like, what, what times are we in today? And here's some thoughts that came to mind. Number one, is it fair to say that all of us have experienced high levels of stress and it's been hard. Am I overstating? Is is this fair? Can I get a mediocre amen on that, if you think that's true? Right? We've experienced high levels of stress the last couple years. I don't know many people where it's like, wow, Chet, these have been the best years of my life. In fact, no one has said that to me. If that's true, come talk to me after service. I just will so, I will be so happy for you. It'll, it'll be so great. But for a lot of us, that really has not been the case. I, I have heard a lot. Chet, this has been some of the most difficult times in my life. I've heard that a lot. And, and part of it is because of the own you know, personal stress that, that we've had to deal with, the own struggles and issues. But it's also because collectively, stress is not something that just stays in you. It moves through us like a system. There's some really interesting theories called Bowen family system theory. Uh, That sounds really fancy, but but the idea is just that stress gets transmitted through the family, through the system that you're part of, right? So if, if one person is dealing with something, it can be very easy for that to transmit to everyone who's close to them, which I think seems to make a lot of sense to me, right? And so here we are in a time of life, where a lot of us have been dealing with things, where collectively, as a people, as a nation, we've been dealing with things. And, and I think it just, it's just surging through us. And we're not only carrying our own pain, but without realizing it, we might also be carrying the pain of others too. You with me on this? And we don't even realize it, but we feel it. And it's been, it's been hard. Here's what else jumps out to me about this time, is that since COVID, most as a church, you know, COVID was, was such a curveball as a church. For those who, who were here in, in the beginning of 2020, we were meeting in North Ridgeville, early elementary school, and we had just done a lot of work and effort to get there, and it was a big deal and a big transition. And then that, I think it was a Wednesday I got a call from the building director. and He's like, hey, Chet, uh, you guys can't meet here Sunday. And I was like, say that one more time. <laughs> you, you, you can't meet here. We're, we're closing everything down. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what are we going to do? And, and it was, it was a curveball. And for every church, right, that, that season was a curveball. And, and I believe when you look at the collective church, not just Christ church, but the collective church, as a church, we had to kind of step back in some ways right? And, and, and over the last couple years, we, we've opened back up and there's been more, but, but there's still a, a lot where we're still kind of sometimes as churches in more of a defensive posture, right? Many churches have less services, less groups, less ministry than they did a few years ago. And so you, there's this combination that I see where we see people in great pain And the big C church kind of taking a step back. Does that make sense? Where where it's like there's incredible spiritual hunger and there's incredible difficulty in life. And and the people of God, you know, because we're through it too. We're not exempt from it. We're like kind of a little bit dizzy ourselves. And in some ways have kind of been playing more defense in this world. Is that fair? And so when I think about that, I think we have people's levels of pain very high and in some ways the temptation as a church is to be in a more retreated posture, in a more defensive posture. Now I will say a little side note to that is that I am so proud of how this church went through this season. And, and I think that, that as a church, man, I am inspired by your resilience, by your faith, by your service, by just your heart to keep figuring it out, to keep adjusting, to, to keep being patient, to keep moving. And, and I really believe that, like, as a church, like, you were a sword that was on, you know, the furnace, but you didn't melt, you just became more tempered. You became a better, isn't that a great imagery? I love that, you know, I know. And that's like a guy image, but just go with me on it. You you became a more deadly weapon in God's hand. And church, I am so thankful that through this season, man, God has blessed our church in a special way. And and I don't take that for granted. And and I want to recognize that. And, And here's what I'm getting at today. I believe our world needs a church more than ever. It always needs a church. It always, but there is an opportunity before us to reach people and help connect them to Jesus. You know, one of the, the, the most incredible blessings that we can fail to realize during these last couple years is people are spiritually hungry, right? We know that the world is going to fail us. We know the world is out of our control. We, we know that, that we can't rely on people to get it right? We know we need something infinitely beyond us. We need a God that loves us. We need a God that is for us. And we have that. But we need, church, we need to help bring that to the world around us. So here's what I want to say today. And I hope you receive it. Let's understand the times. What should we do? Here's what I think we should do. We as the people of God we need to get off of defense and into offense. We need to get off of defense and we need to get and have an offensive heart in mind. Not offensive, <laughs> but <laughs> off, of, you know, there, there's a big difference on that accent there. Um, we, we need to be on offense. We need, to, we need to be saying, how can we move the kingdom of God forward? People want it. People are longing for it. People realize, yeah, a lot of the things that that I thought were going to be my rock aren't my rock. But yet we can help them see Jesus Christ is our rock. And here's what I believe about the people of God. Here's what I believe about the church. The church is always better when it's on offense. The church is always better when, when we're not sitting here and, and we're saying, how can, we, how can we make each other happy? And how can we get, you know, a little nicer coffee that tastes good? And, and how can we do all that? But I think the church is at its best when we're like, how can we reach people who are far from God? How can we reach a world that's hungry to know God? How can we love people more? How can we serve them? How can we invite them into a relationship? How can we grow ourselves? Church, that's when we're at our best, when we are on offense. I love, you know, I love Ulysses S. Grant too. Winston Churchill, Ulysses S. Grant, these are people I love. And, uh, and Ulysses S. Grant, when he became the, the general of uh, most of the Union Army, there was uh, all the other generals were afraid of Robert E. Lee. He was the commander of the Army of of Virginia, and all of the the other northern generals were always afraid to engage with him because he was such a, a great strategic mind. And Lincoln, the president, would get really frustrated with this because none of these people would engage. And so finally Grant said, he said, I don't care what Lee is doing to his team. I don't care what Lee is doing. Stop worrying about what Lee is doing. I want Lee to worry about what we're doing. And he moved from a defensive mind to an offensive mind. Again, not offensive, but an offense mind. <laughs> Sorry, I think that's funny. And, uh, and that's what I believe we need to do as a people of God. We, we, need, to, we need to move from playing it safe to being passionate about reaching and connecting people to the purpose of God. So let me give you a couple ways of what that looks like. Number one, move forward with uncomfortable faith. Here's what I mean by that. In our relationship with God, faith is that reality where I'm I'm taking steps that are beyond me. I'm taking steps that, that require me to trust God. I, I'm moving forward in ways in my life where, where I can't do this without him. That's what a life of faith looks like. You with me on this? And, and I just want to ask you, as a follower of Christ, when was, the, when was the last time that you did something, you served God in a way where you felt like you needed to pray, you needed to trust him, you knew you could not do this on your own, without his help. That's what uncomfortable faith looks like. It's where I know I need God and I want God and I'm driven to prayer. And I think we as a people of God, we need to step into that. Second, we need to move forward with gracious and forgiving love. We need to make the circles in our lives bigger, not smaller. I know that as people, we get irritated probably a little bit easier than we used to right? And we as a people of God, we need to lead the way in forgiveness, in grace, in kindness, and accept. People don't need our critique today. They need your love. Probably our family doesn't need our bad attitude. They need our grace. Y'all aren't going to amen me on that. All right, all right. Come on. You're like, no, Chad. They, here's what they need. Let me tell you about yesterday. Okay, calm down. (laughs) Move forward with humble servanthood. Serving. Jesus said if you want to be influential, if you want to be great, it's through serving. It's through rolling up our sleeves and seeking to be a blessing to others. I heard this great story this week about one of the the early Greek Olympics. And and all the Greek city-states gathered together in this huge arena and they sat with their city states So there was, like, Athens and Thebes and Sparta and all these Greek city-states. And there was an old man walking, trying to find a seat. And the place was packed, and he couldn't find a seat. And he would walk past Athens and Thebes and these other city-states and just couldn't get a seat. And then he walked in front of Sparta. And all the Spartans stood up to give the man a seat. And another Greek man stood up and he said, all the Greeks know the right thing to do, but only Sparta does it. It's like, that's, that's a great story. You should like that more. Um, but how many times, as far as of Christ, do we, do we know the right thing to do? We just got to do it. To, to me, that's a lot of what servanthood is about, right? We know the right thing to do. We got to love people. We've got to serve them. We've got to forgive people. We've got to put our ego aside. We've got to seek God in humility and prayer, but we just got to do it. And then lastly, we need to move forward with new dreams for the kingdom of God. I think when we are in defense, when when life is stressful, you stop dreaming. Your dreams are not dreams, they're nightmares. You can only envision the future badly. You can't envision it with hope. And sometimes as far as of Christ, we, we get into the mindset where we can only envision a future that is worse, not a future that is blessed by God, and a future where God shows up. And I want to dream great dreams for our church. I, I want to I pursue a future for our church where God can be glorified in a special and meaningful way. You with me on this? When we stop dreaming and when we stop env- envisioning a future where, where God can do something great through us, then we will miss the moment that we're in. You with me? Church, God is not, he has not stopped blessing people. He has not stopped moving and glorifying his name. He, he has not stopped growing and developing and solving problems. He hasn't stopped any of that. I think sometimes we just stop trusting and expecting and planning for him to do those things. You with me on this? And so here's, uh, as a campus, here's what I want you to pray about and I want you to think about uh, for these, these next couple weeks. As, as a, a church, here's what offense looks like partly for us as a church. So many of you know in 2018, you know, as God blessed us here, we spent some time, and we were, like, discerning, hey, where where is our future at as a church? Because we recognized that this facility is not going to give us the future that we want, right? It's okay to park on the grass today. Come February and stuff, it gets a little problematic, you know? And can we thank our parking team, guys, man? They're... You, you don't know it, but they were Tetris champions as kids. So that is actually part of the application process. Um, but, you know, we, we recognize that, that this facility is not, is not going to be able to sustain us to continue to grow and thrive as a church. Because as a church, we've always said we want to orient ourselves to be a century church. How can we be influential for the gospel for a hundred years as a church. That's always been part of our DNA. So how can we make decisions today that can create more opportunity for decades to come? Because isn't that a beautiful thought, church? Like, my daughters are three and one. I want them to grow up and thrive in this church. But even more than that, I want their kids one day to do that. I want want to create a legacy that's bigger than us but incredibly helpful to the kingdom of God and to his purposes. Like, I, I love that. To me, that's offense right there. We're not, we're not just thinking about what could happen right now in this moment. We're not, we're not playing it safe, but, but we're leaning forward into what God has. So in 2018, we kind of were praying about it, and we looked, and we were like, you know, should we really just like try and expand and make something out of this, this building and stuff? And I'll tell you what, that was a no-go. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to start fresh. You ever been there? Um, and our, our, the Arkansas, they tried to kind of figure it out. we are like, well, we could do this. And we're like, well, that just, and the, and the investment and, and the money and their end result just did not seem a good and wise use of our time and money as a church. So we began to think, all right, what, what else does God have for us? And there was, we were looking at different properties and different places, and one day we were out with a realtor, and we were just kind of looking everywhere, and nothing, nothing looked viable or helpful. And we're like, oh, man, God, I don't know, what do we do? We're like, you got, you got anything else? Like, no, not really. There's like, and then all of a sudden, this is literally at the end of the day, he's like, you know what? I do own some property like three miles from here. We just drove around for like eight hours complete, and you're just telling me that now? Um, so after I yelled at him for a little bit uh, he, you know, and he's like, yeah, sorry, man. I just totally forgot. Great. Um, but, but we went over that property and we were like, man, this, this is where I think God is calling us. And it's 23 acres, just a couple miles down the road, Archer Road. Um, and we were like, I think this is it. And so we tried to figure out what it would look like to purchase that. And, you know, for those who were here, it was a good time. Um, and, and then in 2020, we were able to buy that land and, and have it completely paid off. So we own that land today. Some of you may not know that. 23 acres, Archer Road, right down. Yeah, it's really cool. And <laughs> church, it's, it's, it's because of your generosity that, that we were able to do that. So we bought that in 2020, but then, you know, 2020 obviously was like, man, where, where, what do we do? Where do we go? And it's just kind of like, let's just take it one step at a time, because I was like, I, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know wh- where this all means. So we're just kind of trying to stay open to God. But, but now here we are today, church. Here we are today. And I still believe that that original vision is what God wants for us. You know, over the last couple of years, people have been so generous. We have over 300,000 saved up in the bank towards this project. So over the last couple of years, just because people have been giving. Yeah. Yeah, give them a round of applause. And and we want I want to create a facility that works for our church and not against it. Um there's so many great groups going on during the week, but if you're here, if you're a life group leader, we've had so many groups stepping on each other because we can't keep it all straight. Because, and, and if, you've, if you've served in our kids' ministry, we want to serve with excellence. We, we believe excellence honors God. It inspires people. I, I want to I create, I don't want an old blueprint to tell us what God can do through us. I, I, don't, I don't want a, a, you know, this, whoever built and designed this building to be the glass ceiling of who we are as a church. I, I want to create opportunities that give us the ability to reach the full potential God has for us as a church. You with me on this? And it takes sacrifice. It's not easy. I'm not saying anything is easy. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes faith. It takes all that. But here's what I really believe it's worth it. It's worth it. And it it will grow us, not just in our ability to reach more people, but it will grow us in our ability to walk faithfully and boldly with God. One of the, the great blessings in my life was when our original campus, when we were going through this time, and I was just in high school, but I got to be part of it. I mean, I didn't give much but I got to be I got to be part didn't have a whole lot of anything but I got to be part in it and it grew my faith and it shaped me and it gave me it gave me an expectation that God always wants to bless beyond the status quo and it's not that God is the one who holds us back it's usually ourselves it's usually our faith it's usually our willingness to trust in him so, what I am going to ask the church and what I want you to pray about is to be part of this project. We've got 300,000. Now, our end goal over four years is to raise 1.5 million. That's, that's the goal. Now, that sounds crazy, but here, let me just break it down for you just to let you think about it a different way. If every person who gives right now gave 40 bucks more per week, it, we would raise it. Did you all hear that? If everybody, if everybody who gives right now gives uh, 40 bucks extra, we, we will get there. Um, so it's, it's within the realm of possibility. Now, we've got 300 in the bank. I believe, you know, we need a, a minimum of 700,000 to actually really break ground, to build something, to make. So that, that's the minimum. But the goal uh, is 1.5. So over the course of this month, go back to number one. Here's what I'm asking you. Number one. One more. There we go. Pray. Uh, would you just prayer, pray about this? Pray about uh, the future that God has for us. Pray about his leading, his direction, and his provision. We, we can't do it without God. But you know what? I think that's how it should be. We shouldn't be able to do it without God. Second, serve. If you are not connected, serve. Your gifts matter. Help us raise our excellence, raise our capacity to serve and love people and help them know Christ. Three, pledge. So pledge is this project. It'll be above and beyond just normal giving. Our, our normal giving just kind of pays the bills and all the run of the mill, but this will just be designated for that project. Um, and, and we'll talk more about that, but be in prayer about that. And then lastly, come to campus night this Thursday. Yeah, 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 come to campus. I got to slide that one in there. Um, Thursday night at 6.30. Now here's the thing, church. I just, I believe... This is an awesome moment for us to just move forward boldly with faith. I really believe God will get awesome glory. I really believe we we could make choices today that create a church that can thrive for the gospel well beyond each and every one of us. I believe we can make a difference in God's kingdom. It's not easy. We can't be in the status quo. We can't play it safe. We can't be on defense. But can I just remind you, we have a God that's always on offense. When you were lost, he came to you. When humanity turned its back on him, he came and became one of us. The problems in your future, he's already ahead. He's already deciding, preparing ways to bless you. He's already going before you. We have a God that's always on offense. And we are at our best when we're on offense to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for all the opportunities that you give us. Thank you for all the sacrifice over the years of people, Lord, who just have given us, our, our, our church, the ability to be right here in this moment. Thank you, Lord, for, for all the people that during the challenges of these last couple years, they followed you. They worshiped you, they prayed, they served. They just showed up, Lord, expecting you to meet them in their time of need. Father, thank you that we get the opportunity to look forward as a church and say, what might God do for a willing people? How might we be a lighthouse for the gospel in this area of the world? How can more people know and connect and love and serve Christ through our ministry? Father, it's not about us. It's about you. And we don't want to insult you with weak and timid faith, but we know you're honored with bold and audacious faith. We know you're honored, Lord, through sacrifice and generosity and servanthood and all those types of things. Help us to step into that. And we pray that you would be glorified in a very, very special way. Bless us, guide us, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.